0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're looking at Jonah chapter 3, verse 10 today. We have been looking at chapter 3 of Jonah and hearing about the response of the People of Nineveh and the king of Nineveh to the message of Jonah as he has brought it to the people. Uh, We know that Jonah did not at first want to bring this message and so fled from God, but God pursued him with a storm. God pursued him with a giant fish to swallow him. And after Jonah prays and asks the Lord for help, uh, the Lord tells the fish to spit him back up onto dry land, and then he issues a second charge for Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and preach out against it, Uh, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. We looked last time at uh, chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, and talked about the repentance of the people, the repentance of the king, and I just wanted to say another word about repentance here. Uh, At the end, one of the application points that was brought out was that repentance is more than just uh, a surface level, I'm sorry, but really has to do with an attitude of the heart, a changing of your heart position or your heart's attitude. The king of Nineveh and Nineveh's people evidenced this change through their actions. They evidenced their faith in God and that they re- believe uh, what Jonah has said uh, because they uh, put on sackcloth and, and the king sits in the ashes and they fast and every one of them is to turn from their wicked ways. The New Testament tells us, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, Uh, The sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. In other words, there is sort of a, a repentance that is necessary in order to come to faith in Christ. Now, we understand that uh, we do not need to uh, make ourselves perfect in order to become followers of Christ or Christians. He accepts us as we are. But there is a change of heart that needs to take place there. Uh, Instead of Uh, us seeking what is best for ourselves or living our lives selfishly, and now we are putting the Lord Jesus in control of our hearts and of our lives. We're repenting of uh, our wicked ways and the violence which was in our hands, to use phrases right here out of the book of Jonah. And uh, when an individual does this, acknowledges their sin, Uh, repents of that sin and seeks to turn away from it and move toward the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, the Bible tells us this is what saving faith looks like. It is evidenced by uh, external actions that follow along with it. So now, what will happen? The, the people of Nineveh, the king of Nineveh, have repented. They are taking actions to, to show the sincerity of their hearts in attempting to turn away from evil. Will God spare this city? Well, as we look in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10, we see, When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented Concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So this verse gives us God's reaction to Nineveh's response. He does not do what he had previously declared he would do. God saw their actions, particularly, notice in verse 10, that they turned From their wicked way. That was what was significant to God. And so God relents concerning the calamity that He had declared He would bring upon them, and He does not do it. This is a demonstration of the mercy of God, the characteristic mercy of our God. It is not The first time that this has taken place, but really all throughout the Old Testament scriptures, we see God as a gracious and compassionate and merciful God. Now, I think there is one particular instance that the author of the book of Jonah has in mind as he's writing this, and if you'll go back to Exodus chapter 32, All of this really has happened before uh, in that passage. Now, I'm going to be reading a little bit around Exodus chapter 32, and I'll try to give you some of the context. The people of Israel have come up out of the land of Egypt. And they are moving their way toward the wilderness, into the wilderness, and they camp at the base of Mount Sinai. And the Lord there in chapters 19 and 20 thunders from the top of Mount Sinai, and and they actually hear the Lord speak. And the Lord proclaims what we understand today to be the Ten Commandments. To the people, in the hearing of all the people. Uh, The first commandment you shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment you shall not make any gods or make yourselves any images uh, that you would worship. Only worship the Lord your God alone. Now, when we get to Exodus 32, by this time, God has called Moses up onto the mountain with himself and is revealing to Moses uh, more of his law and also the pattern for the creation of a house where God would dwell. We know it as the tabernacle. While all of this is taking place, What are the people doing down below at the base of Mount Sinai? Let's read Exodus 32 and start with verses 1 through 4. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron, Moses' brother, and said to him, "'Come make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what he has become of him.' And Aaron said to them, Tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. When all the people tore off the gold rings they, uh, which were in their ears, they brought them to Aaron, and he took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. And they said, This is your God, O Israel. Who brought you up from the land of Egypt? So, what's happening here is that while Moses is up with the Lord on the mountain, the people have forgotten who the Lord is, forgotten about who Moses was, and so quickly are turning in their hearts back to the practices and ways of the Egyptians. And so they make for themselves this golden cow, giant golden cow, and they call it Yahweh. They say, this is the God who brought you up out of Egypt. So they bow to it and they worship to it and they sing and they dance and they drink and they party all around this golden cow. And this elicits God's uh, strong response to them in verses uh, 7 through 10. The Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once, for your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten calf, and have worshipped it, and have sacrificed to it, and said, This is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt." And then this is what is significant for our passage in Jonah. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, they are an obstinate people. Now let me alone, that my anger may burn against them, and that I may destroy them, and I will make of you a great nation. So to some degree, because of the sin of Israel in this passage, God determines He is going to judge the nation and he says to Moses, I'm going to wipe them out entirely and I will take you and I will make you into a new nation. Now Moses in verses 11 through 13, here's what the Lord has said. But instead of accepting it, he prays to the Lord on behalf of the people. And this is what he says. Verse 11, Moses entreated the Lord his God and said, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, whom you have brought out from the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak, saying, With evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to destroy them from the face of the earth? Turn from your burning anger and change your mind about doing harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you did swear by yourself and say to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens and all this land which I have spoken, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever so Moses reminds God about his covenant with the people of Israel. He reminds God about the glory of his name and says, if you do this thing, your name will be slandered among the Egyptians. Don't do this, God, please. And because of this, in verse 14, we read, so the Lord changed his mind. Now this is the New American Standard. Changed his mind about the harm which he said he would do to his people. Now you need to understand this phrase in Hebrew changed his mind about the harm is the exact same wording that is used in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10 and then a little bit later in chapter 4 to talk about God relenting of the calamity which he determined to bring on Nineveh. So we could translate these two passages the same that the Lord changed his mind about the harm that he was going to do toward Nineveh. Just as he had changed his mind, so to speak, in Exodus 32, about destroying Israel and taking Moses and making him into a great people. Uh, Now, I don't think this is coincidental. I think The author of the book of Jonah intends us to make this connection. So God, where he had in Exodus 32, extended his mercy to Israel, even though they were undeserving, they were deserving to be destroyed. They had broken the first two of his commandments, which he had spoken in the presence of the entire congregation. And very shortly after that, in the disappearance of Moses, they make this golden cow and bow to it and worship it. God had every right to wipe them out and start again with Moses, but he didn't do it. Even though he had determined he would, when Moses prays to him, he relents. He changes his mind, so to speak, and turns from that burning anger. The same is true in regard to Nineveh. In Jonah chapter 3, God is now extending his mercy not to the people of Israel, but to the heathen people of Nineveh. This is very significant because it reveals to us that God cares not only about Israel and his covenantal relationship with the people of Israel, but about all humanity. His covenantal love for Israel is just an extension of his consistent character toward all mankind. He desires to show his mercy to all people. Now there are some significant uh, theological questions here does god change god is said to have relented of the calamity or the uh, uh, harm that he had intended to do toward Nineveh is god changing in some way here, changing his mind, changing his position. Well, the Bible is very clear throughout the Old and New Testaments that God does not change. And as we finish up this session, I'll just read a couple of these verses. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Even though God can change his position, ultimately his character is not changing. More on that next time. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu.